Well, like I said, the final days of summer are upon us. Some may be a little bit sad about that. Maybe the parents are, are getting a little more excited about that, right? School is starting up. Uh, we're doing the same thing. We're sending our, our youngest off to, off to high school here on Tuesday, and, uh, and he's excited, we're excited, but uh, it's also just a lot of preparation. And so we look around us, and we see fall happening all around us. I was walking down uh, Presswick Boulevard where we live, and there's yellow leaves, and there's a few on the ground. And if anybody's a Starbucks person, you might have received that email this week, if, I, mean, I think if you're a, a rewards member, I guess, that the pumpkin spice latte is back, and I had to have one this week, right? So fall is here, right? It seems like that drink is coming back earlier and earlier. I think it is really early this year, right? It's kind of like Costco bringing in Christmas and Halloween stuff coming in in, in July. So anyways, we're prepping towards the fall, and, and I know that you are as well. I love the fall. I love the Christmas of the morning. I love just that feeling of walking outside. The air seems fresher, and I love the anticipation of Christmas and all the things coming with that. I also love flannel. I love wearing hoodies, right? I'm not a big fan of heat, and so I love all that. But now that I'm a pastor, I even love fall a lot more because the ministry season kicks off. You know, summer, we Canadians, we just kind of vacate. We, we put the vacate in vacation, right? And now we're coming back together, getting into our regular routines. And like I said, we have lots of things starting up here this fall, and we're excited for that. I love that we get together more regularly to seek the face of God together. We are a people of the Lord. And so I want to speak into your fall plans today, and I want to bring attention uh, to something that we hold extremely high here in, at Redemption Church. I'm going to be talking about our small group ministry today. That's going to be the, the focus of our sermon from God's Word, is, is small group ministry. We, we, we believe in this as a church. And, and as a church, we don't approach this as just something on the side. This is just a feature, an optional feature. We really want you to understand that this is a core of our culture here in this church, is to have church not only on Sunday, but also in each other's homes during the week. And we're going to see that in God's word today. In fact, we go so far as to say that as great as Sunday is, and how we see our, our worship service as the furnace of our faith, we see our small groups as taking a piece of that fire home every week, get, gathering around that fire again together and letting it warm you, letting it bring your, your focus back to the Christ in the middle of, of the week, because we live in a cold and dark world at times, and we need the Lord at all times. Now, I know most of us come from different backgrounds and even different churches. That's the, that's the nature of a church plant. A lot of us come from different, different backgrounds, different churches, and, and we have different ideas of what small groups are, what Bible studies are, what, what life groups are, whatever you want to call it, discipleship groups. And so I want to start by asking you, just taking a quick poll, how many people here have been a part of like a social club before? You know what I mean? Like a social club? Like maybe you're a part of a knitting club. or uh, yeah. I know there's a few. I always, always bring up knitting because I know there's a few knitters among us, right? Uh, a fan club, right? Fan clubs, right? Yeah. Sports club. Sports, no sports clubs? Yeah. All right. Chess club. 
I know some of us might uh, want to be part of a smash-up club. If you don't know what smash-up is, it's one of our favorite games here at, at Redemption Church. Um, there's car clubs, there's country clubs, there's health clubs, and then maybe even like cactus club. You like going to the cactus club, right? So there's all kinds of clubs. Anybody belong to a club? How about something a little more serious than that? How about like a, like a, a life kind of a support group? You know, like maybe where somebody has a group therapy. that can, don't, You don't need to raise your hands, but... Maybe you've been a part of something like that before as well. And then when it comes to church, maybe you've been a part of a Bible study. Anybody been a part of a Bible study? Anybody ever been to like an alpha group? Anything like that, right? How about small groups? Anybody? Yeah, you guys have heard that term for small groups, okay? It's a real simple term, but it's actually a very biblical concept. And so I think we can say safely within us this morning, we've all been a part of some kind of group, a social group, but even in the church, some kind of a smaller group. And so I want to highlight how important we believe that is to your life in our church. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you have gathered this group of people. We thank you, and we are amazed at how you build your church we, we praise you because uh, this church started with just a prayer so many years ago and that you are faithful to build it. And so we thank you for this, this, this fall season that is coming towards us. This is really our first fall season as a church as we launched in January. This is the first time that we're gathering and, and starting to plan for what this fall is going to look like, what you're going to teach us, and how we're going to implement that into our lives. And so we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We pray today that through your word and and through the topic being discussed here today, that we would see the abundant uh, need of fellowship in our life, that we need more than Sunday, that we need more, more than we even think. And so we trust for you to teach us that today, teach us that through your word, show us that. We pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal what you want to say today to our hearts and that we would respond in faith and worship. So we thank you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. So like I said, there's many groups in the world, lots of different kinds of smaller gatherings, right? It's actually really common. It's a really common thing to gather around shared interests. It really is. People do it all the time. But I want to share with you something that we believe is uncommon. We call this uncommon community. That's the concept that we're going for. We want to be, un- Christians are uncommon. When you really think about it, you look at the mass number of people in this world, the percentage of Christians is very few. And so we are very uncommon. And we believe that God calls us to uncommon community. And the way that we do uncommon community, not, not only here on Sunday mornings, it also happens during the week. And we call this our small group ministry. And so today I want to share with you three vital reasons that you desperately need uncommon community. We believe you desperately need this in your life. So the first point we want to see is that you need more than just Sunday. You need more than just Sunday. Small groups provides true fellowship that your heart longs for. We see this clearly demonstrated here in the books of Acts. Acts, If you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, 
Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 42 to 47. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to have one in your hands. Our ushers would bring you one. Just slide your hand up. They'll bring you one so you can be looking at it yourself. And if you don't have a Bible or you want a new one, take that one home. We want God's Word in your hands. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. One thing that you see so clearly in this brand new church Remember, this is the first New Testament church. This is the first church to believe. This is the first church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working wonders through the apostles, and he is building his church. And what we see here is a devotion to fellowship, devotion within the new covenant bought with Christ's blood. They are built upon the foundation of the prophet's and the apostles, they, they heard the gospel, they lived the gospel, they prayed, they prayed the gospel, and they did all of this without shame. And they were built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ himself. And in many ways, they were an uncommon community at that time. They were very different than the world around them, even much so more than today. They were very different than their Jewish context the Old Covenant context. They were a part of the new way. They were unique. They were uncommon. So we see so much here. Now this section of Scripture is, is full of things. I could spend the whole morning on this text. If you want to see a, a full exposition of this text, you can go on our website, go to the tab called 5G Life, and you can go down and you can see or hear the whole sermon there as well. But for the purposes of this morning, with regard to uncommon community and our, and our small groups, what I want you to take notice is that these new believers, these new believers are relating to one another. They are connecting to one another much more than we could even think. We see them experiencing true koinonia fellowship. And this was not only on the Sabbath we see here. We see them experiencing connection and fellowship and community during the week. Friends, they couldn't get enough of God and they couldn't get enough of each other. It was fellowship like they've never experienced before. It was a spiritually thriving, flourishing community. It was the church. This is God's design in his new covenant. The text says they devoted themselves to fellowship Verse 44, they were together. They had all things 
in common. Verse 45, they were selling possessions. They were distributing the, the proceeds to one another. And this is the key verse for, for, for this first point here today. Verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Day by day. Day by day is true Christian fellowship. That means it's more than one day. It's more than Sunday. It's more than one place. It's more than one time. And by example of these first Christians, we see that true Christian fellowship cannot be fully experienced in one hour or two on Sunday. You need more. You need more time together. We need more time together. We need more interaction. We need more fellowship. And so that's one of the reasons that we at Redemption Church, we provide and we promote this in our small groups. This is just an intentional move. We're going to do this. And so we're going to provide that for you. But then you may be asking, what is fellowship? What is fellowship? Isn't fellowship that thing that we do after church when we all gather around the, the muffins or the cookies and the coffee? Isn't that fellowship, right? Isn't fellowship when we, we just gather together as Christian brothers and we talk about the sports team that we love or we talk about the weather? Isn't fellowship just doing our favorite hobbies together? Or gathering around favorite food. You know, we Christians, we love our potlucks, right? You know, we even, in some churches, when you build the church, you build the fellowship hall. That's where they cook the food, right? But let me ask you this. How is that? How is gathering around just a shared interest different than the world? How is that different than what a social club can provide for you? Or a special interest group? Let me ask you, what makes fellowship within the Christian experience unique? What makes it unique? Well, this word fellowship is the word koinonia in the Greek, which literally means to participate in, to share in. And in the context of, of this first Christian church, we see, we see thousands of people getting saved. Peter's preaching a sermon. The Spirit is working powerfully. Thousands are believing. You look just before this section in Scripture. Thousands believed and were baptized. And all of a sudden, they are desiring God and they are desiring to be together. Do you ever desire that? Right? You, you're traveling in an airport, wherever you are, any, anywhere in the world. You meet another Christian and there is an instant connection. You, you know the truth. These people were so changed by the love of Christ and so given to sharing the love of Christ with one another, they couldn't help but be together. They were full of grace and love for one another. They were sharing their needs together, both the physical and the spiritual. We see that they were sharing food. They were sharing possessions. They were sharing their homes they were sharing the word together, sharing worship together, sharing communion together. They were praying together. And they were sharing the gospel together. Ultimately, they were sharing Christ together, sharing in him. He was the common denominator in their life. And so we see that the centrality of Christ ignites and fuels true 
fellowship. It's fellowship that cannot be regulated to one day a week. It's more. It says it's day by day. It's ongoing. It is sweet. It is uncommon. It's more. Like we just read in Hebrews 10. Not neglecting, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as the day is drawing near. So we need each other more than we think. We really do. All the more as the day is drawing near. Friends, we are so much closer today to the day drawing near than they were then. And how much more are we gathering together all the more we are closer to that day? And so we, we love small groups here. We promote small groups. We provide small groups. We, we design small groups to this end. We do it so that we can have more than here, and we want fellowship outside of here. One church gathered, one church scattered. And so, let me ask you, is it healthy for a sheep to be on its own? Is it safe for a sheep to be wandering on its own? Even if that sheep is within the fold, getting fed on one morning, and he's got another six days, is it safe for him to be on his own? The Bible always refers to God's people as sheep. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude. But believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. Those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect. That they love to get together. Sheep go in flocks and so do God's people. We're designed to be together, not alone. And so let me ask you, are you within the fold of God's people outside of Sunday morning? Now, I know we're a very new church, and a lot of these things are being implemented, but just think about your past experience. Have I been a, a sheep that, that goes, to, goes to the fold on one day, but then the rest of the week I am not a part of the fold of God? Let me ask you this. Do you love to get together with others? Do you love to get together with God's people? Jesus said, they'll know that you were mine because of the love you have for one another. And it's proved by how much time we spend together in fellowship. And so do you desire to be with God's people outside of Sunday morning? And more than that, it's, it's not just the connecting part. It's also what goes along with that, this true fellowship that is more than eating, more than gathering, more than socialization. Now you may be saying, life is too busy, right? It's just too busy. Our Western culture, we are going 100 miles an hour in every direction, right? Life is just too busy. Or you may be saying, I just don't like people that much, right? Like, I'm, I'm okay for Sunday morning, but you know what? That week is mine. I need that for myself. And so whether it's busy or, or whether you just don't, Love people a lot, right? It's not saying you don't love people, it's just you need your space. 
We, we, live in a, we live in a culture, and I see it especially in Western Canada. We've lived in the U.S. for a bit, but in Western Canada, we are a conservative culture. A lot of times we just drive in the driveways and head inside. And, uh, and during the week, we just have a hard time reaching our, our friends and, and family in the church. And so I get that. But we are usually as busy as we make ourselves to be. And so it's never too busy. It's another night a week. Yeah, you know, as a kid, I would go to church, and I'm not saying the old days were better, but there was a lot more church going on. You know, there was Sunday morning, there was Sunday evening, there was a Wednesday prayer meeting. People just went to church a lot more, and our culture is a little different. And so we got to push against that, push against that culture. We need to be uncommon, even within Christian circles. And so we need each other more than just Sunday. And as you give yourself to fellowship outside of Sunday morning, you're also going to discover that God plans to do so much through that time. He plans to do so much more in your life if you commit to connecting with God's people in fellowship outside of Sunday morning, which brings us to our next point. You need more than just conversion. You need more than just conversion. Small groups fosters the spiritual growth that you desperately need. And so you should ask yourself, am I growing in my faith? Am I changing? Am I transforming into the image of Christ? Is there, is there less sin today than there was last year at this time? How about my desires? Are my desires changing? Am I desiring the things that are above? Am I desiring the things that are holy? Do I have those desires? Am I less focused on myself and more focused on the glory of God? This is what the Christian life is about. It's, it's, it's not just salvation. It's not just conversion. It's a continual walk and growth in the likeness of Jesus Christ? Or are you stagnant? Are you spinning your wheels? You know that word stagnant? You ever see a pond of water that is just kind of, it's just there and it's just kind of, it's not really, it, there's, no, it's, there's no movement, right? I think my wife's favorite word for that is brackish water. Just stagnant, not really doing anything. In fact, it's harmful. Are you stagnant? Are you spinning your wheels? Are you on the bench? Maybe you're just satisfied with believing that you're a Christian. But then you look at your life, you look at the mirror of God's word, and you see, well, where's the proof? Am I looking more like Jesus today? Friends, God's word warns us. Hebrews 12, you can turn there. Hebrews 12, verses 11 to 14. I think we have it on the screen too. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. And then this verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone. 
and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Friends, holiness is a mark of our salvation. A growing in holiness is a mark on your life that you are truly saved. And so, friends, it's more than conversion. Salvation is more than entrance into the kingdom. God saved you to sanctify you. John MacArthur says, All a righteous identity must issue in righteous behavior. Such behavior is the outward manifestation of the inward transformation. And it is the only sure proof that such transformation has taken place. Friends, sadly today, the gospel has been watered down. Many just believe salvation is about saying a certain set of words, almost like an incantation, or saying a prayer, or or asking Jesus to be my friend, or as simple as just, just believe in God, right? We treat salvation like it's a ticket. It's a ticket that we have purchased. Salvation is more than that. Salvation is more than conversion. Let me ask you, if you were to purchase a ticket for, for a plane, or say you're going on a trip, you get up in the morning, you, you grab your ticket, you, you go to the airport, you walk through those gates, the security that everybody loves, walk through the security, get to your gate and find a bench, and you just stay there. Crowds of people are going towards that plane. They're getting on the plane. They're calling that the plane is leaving, and you're staying where you are. How about if you were buying a ticket to an amusement park, right? You don't buy the ticket, walk through the entrance, and sit on the bench. You go and explore. You go and see all that God has for you. Sometimes we treat salvation like it's just a ticket. The book of James calls us to be doers of the word. Not only hearers, doers of the word. So if you have no desire to get off the pew and grow in your salvation, you might want to look at that ticket and see whether that ticket is real. You know, there was a guy in Calgary just caught producing uh, tickets that were frauds for the, for the C-train system. They, they found hundreds of thousands of fraudulent, I think it maybe it was for the bus system, hundreds of thousands of these passes, I guess that were frauds. Maybe your ticket is a fraud. Maybe you believed in a cheap gospel. The proof of your salvation is, is the working out of that salvation. Is God changing you? Am I, am I growing in his likeness? Perhaps maybe it's time to repent of your sin truly for the first time. Maybe you need to surrender your life. Maybe you need to see your utter sinfulness for what it is. How you have offended a holy God with your life, with your running from Him. You need to come to the understanding that because of your sin, you deserve His wrath. Maybe today is the day of salvation. Maybe today is the day that you finally trust in Him. When you trust in him, you are born again. 
You will receive the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. God comes to reside in you. You are given a new heart with new desires. Key, new desires. You will desire God's word and you will desire God's people. And so if you want to grow spiritually here at Redemption... We do this through our small groups. We, we believe our small groups is ground zero for this fellowship, this koinonia, this gathering together, even outside of Sunday morning. And so we provide that for you. We want you to be in that. This is where we intentionally gather together to apply God's word into each other's lives, to love each other, and to show each other the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ Together, and we believe here that this is vital for your spiritual growth. We don't just do it because other churches are doing it. We see it in Scripture, and we see it as valuable. And anybody that's been around a small group like this can testify within our churches that this is vital to your life. So as a church, we believe in bold preaching, Bold preaching that is both expository, right? It shows you the word, it exposes God's word, what it means to you, and it's applicational. And, and as a pastor, I work hard every week to, to look at God's word, to study it, to see what it means, and then how do I preach that? And how do I apply that to our lives? And so I do work hard at that, but I can never apply a sermon to every specific situation of your life. I have to apply it generally. It's a general application. And this is one way that we see that small groups are so crucial. In our small groups, we get the opportunity during the week to gather together with people that know me, people that love me, people that know my situation, know what I'm going through. And they can then also apply what they're hearing on Sunday mornings, what they're studying God's word specifically to your life. It's for your spiritual growth. It's because our theology in this church believes in a whole body work. It's not one person ministering to everyone. It's all of us ministering together, mutual ministry, gathering with those who, are, who we know intimately, those who are honest with us, those who are transparent with their own lives, those who are available to us in a smaller element. Those who would love you enough to point out areas that you may be blind to. Because why? Because God saves you to sanctify you. He saves you to sanctify you. And one of the ways he does that is by adopting you into the family of God, into a Christian family of people who are there for you. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Small group fellowship fosters this true sanctifying community where brothers and sisters, again, love each other enough to apply God's word even to each other, even, even to the point of pointing out sin. When's the last time you had a brother or a sister come alongside and say, you know, hey, I, brother, I, I love you, but I see you walking in this direction, and I'm concerned for you. Do you have people in your life that would love you enough to do that? You remember when, uh, when, when King David, when he sinned with, with Bathsheba, 
She gets pregnant. David tries, or David does kill her husband, Uriah, and tries to hide his sin. What does his good friend do for him? Nathan comes along, and Nathan tells the story that confronts David. And he says to him, You are the man. You are the one in sin. He points out the truth. He lovingly does this. And then he shows them that forgiveness is found in God. So let me ask you again, when's the last time you had a brother or sister come into your life and do that? Holding up the mirror of God's word to you. Showing you areas that you need to grow in. Showing you the glory of Christ and how you can continually be changed by beholding his glory. That's true friendship. That's true fellowship. That's real family. Friends, we were, we were meant for more. We were meant for more than just conversion. We need to get off the bench, and we're meant to spiritually grow. Not only within ourselves, but also with each other, and God will use it for his glory. And so again, this is why we do this as a church. Small groups are very, very important. They foster spiritual growth that you desperately need. And so we need more than Sunday. We need more than conversion. And next, we need more than just a study. We need more than just a study. Small groups provide the biblical care that your soul requires. Friends, the, the online Christian bookstore, I know there's no such thing really as Christian bookstores anymore, but we have online Christian bookstores. CBD is one of them. And you go and open that webpage, and it is, especially this time of the year, jammed full of studies, jammed full with all kinds of curriculum, all kinds of material and themes and topics. And this is great. This is good. Well, not all of it is good. But it is good that, that we are, as Christians, putting out material so that we can grow in the Lord. It's very good. But our approach here to small groups at, at uh, Redemption, it's more than a study. It's more than just learning a topic. It's more than pursuing head knowledge. We want to study God's word and study what others have said about it and, and the content that they have written that applies that to our life. We want to do that. But our goal is not just to fill our heads with knowledge. That knowledge needs to move from your head to your heart, which will then transform your hands. The head-heart-hand concept. God's knowledge comes in. You apply it to your heart, and it changes the way you behave. That's what we see here. Garrett Higby says, Bible knowledge without application leads to self-deception. We need to get this. As much as we love theology, we love Bible knowledge, and we are going to be pursuing that together. Don't miss the step of it not making its way to your heart and changing you. This is the point. And so we need to help each other. We need to help each other in this area. We need to care for each other's souls. Psalm, in Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart 
so that I may not sin against you. God's word goes in, and he uses each other to, to push that into each other's lives so that we may grow in holiness. And so if it's not applied to the heart, if it's not applicational, if it's not driven into our souls, we are missing the mark. We're missing it. And so you're going to see that our small groups are more than a study. It's more than a Bible study. They are transformational communities. So as we connect, as we love each other, as we apply the knowledge of God's word to our souls, we're going to see God begin to do his work. We're going to see him begin to change us. We're called as Christians to be there for one another in the good times and in the bad as a family. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Galatians 6.2 also says we need to be there to bear one another's burdens. And so it's more than a study. It's more than a study. Small groups are the place where sanctifying community takes place, where mutual ministry takes place. That's the whole body working together. Mutual ministry. And one of the key things we see is that, is that in this, we can counsel one another. We're competent to counsel one another. Psalm 119.24, your testimonies, God's word, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. God's word is your counselor. And we as God's people can counsel one another as we take God's counseling words to each other. We practically believe this. We believe God's word is powerful. Second Peter 1.3, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not some things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. We believe that the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces through the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is powerful in the hands of a willing servant. And so our small groups at Redemption, it's ground zero for this application, for this counsel of God's word. We actually want to see our body of believers as a community of counselors. Right? Now that, that may seem a little different to you. And we're used to maybe somebody has some issues. We send them off to a counselor. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's so much more that can be done among us. We want to be a community of counselors. Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Love that. So Garrett Higby, you already heard me quote him. He is kind of the, he's the architect of, of our small group philosophy within our fellowship of churches. Really, really godly man, loves God's word. He has a ministry in Indiana. It deals with a lot of crisis stuff. If you ever have you know, somebody that's in a crisis and they're Christians, they want some real help, 
They have an amazing, amazing counseling system. But he's also uh, head of our department of counseling within the Great Commission Collective. And he says it like this. You need to picture a large cliff. Picture a large cliff in your mind and picture people walking towards that cliff. Some people are running towards that cliff. Sometimes they're going headlong towards that cliff. And he says, instead of building a hospital at the bottom of the cliff, we need to put guardrails at the top of the cliff. And we are those guardrails. We can be there before they get to the bottom. We can catch sin within us and problems before they turn into absolute disasters. We are the guardrails. People standing with Bibles in hand and their arms wide open, interceding and counseling and full of love for those people. Getting to them before they careen off the cliff. God's given us each other for this effort. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't need more skilled help at times. That doesn't mean that we don't need doctors. We do. We're just saying that we're, we're missing the boat if we don't get this, that we can be competent to counsel one another within the fellowship of God, both here and in our smaller groups. Uncommon community. Counseling one another at the top of the cliff. And we can spare so much hurt and so much sorrow at the bottom. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He says, The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. And the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. Genuine community, genuine fellowship grows us, counsels us. And so if you're new with us, I don't know if you've been a part that, of, of that kind of a small group before. don't know if that's been a part of your life. Maybe you've just experienced Bible studies, or, or maybe uh, your gatherings were just, you know, just gatherings around a special interest, or gatherings for fun. These are all good things, but, but maybe you haven't experienced what it means to be in a sanctifying small group community. And so we invite you to be a part of that with us. We're excited for this year. We're, we're excited to start our small groups. We took a break over the summer as, as small groups, and, and it's, it's just, it goes with the Canadian territory, right? A lot of people are gone. You can't really get a lot of things happening. And, and there's good in that. There's good in that rest. But we're excited to be kicking off our small groups here, third week of September. And we really want you to be a part of it. We really do. Now, you may be asking, what does this really look like? We kind of get an understanding of, of why we should be in a small group. What does this actually practically look like? Okay. So our small group ministry will, was planned to be really three out of every four weeks. So you'll meet three weeks on a, on a weeknight uh, or on the weekend, whatever the small group's time is. That's three out of every four weeks. We're going to be starting these up, like I said, the third week of September. We have four small groups starting this year, we had three in the spring. Now we're expanding to four. Love that. Now we're going to have one in Walden. That's going to be on Tuesday nights. That's the Weebs and the Benisons. Where's we have any Weebs with us? It's not, the, not the, yeah, there's one. We have two families of Weebs. So Tim and Alina Weeb are going to be hosting at their house on Tuesday night. I believe that'll be at 7 p.m. probably, right? Yeah, so that's going to be on Tuesday nights. We're also going to have... Uh, 
We're going to have one in Elgin, which is in Mackenzie Town. That's going to be at the Glavins house. Just wave your hands there, Glavins, okay? Um, the Glavins and the Do-Goods, you guys are partnering up to lead that together. We're going to be having one in Auburn Bay on Thursday nights. That's going to be Gavin. Maggie's with us. Just wave your hand. Maggie, Gavin's away. But, uh, so there's going to be one at their place on Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then what we've started this year is also a small group that's going to take place on Sunday afternoon. Because we have people that during the week couldn't come during the week to small groups. And so we're taking this intentional step to make it available for them as well. So my wife and I will be hosting one on Sunday afternoons. We think it's going to be around 2.30, I think, something like that. But uh, more details are going to come uh, with that. So every three out of four weeks, we're going to be gathering together, gathering around God's Word. I'll just tell you what kind of a, what a small group gathering looks like. And so our people within that group, and, and we try not to go over maybe 14 people within a group. Once it gets to that size, that needs to multiply and become another small group. But we have about maybe 10 to 15 people on average that would come out to a group, and you would gather together at 7 or 7.30, whatever your group has decided to meet, and we all come on time, and we're all ready for, for small group. And what we do together is we commit together and we covenant together to, to actually be a part of this. This isn't a casual thing. We really want to commit and be there for one another, that, that we can really trust in one another to, to be there because God has lots of work to do. And so your regular meeting would start at about maybe 7 o'clock. You got about 10 minutes of buffer time for the Canadian lateness a little bit there, which is okay. And uh, it's a time of fellowship. You might have something to eat in that time and grab a coffee for about 10, 15 minutes, then you get together. And uh, usually what we do is whatever's being preached here on Sunday morning, there's going to be a guide. And, and the, the leaders of that group will walk you through that guide. And it's not, it's, it's kind of a rehash of what we're learning, but the, the, the major point of it is just to take what we are learning and apply it, right? It's not, it's not a time for, well, actually, I think this is what it's saying, right? Yeah, there's just a little room for that, but it's not a time of really of teaching, it's really a time of applying. So whatever we've been learning here, I put out a guide. There's a bunch of application questions. And so you sit in, in the group and, and we discuss these questions, how they apply specifically, like I said, to each other's lives. And then we do that for about 45 minutes. But we believe in prayer. We, we're a church that is fervent in prayer. We want to be fervent in prayer. And so the whole time, we're not going to just be gabbing about the sermon or just applying, we need to be praying that. So what we're learning needs to be prayed into each other's life. And so the last 45 minutes is a time of prayer and accountability. So you'll see the, the guys will go off to a different room, and, and the ladies will stay in the living room most of the time. And, uh, and we start to share life-specific struggles within each one of us in a safe space, vulnerable space, a place of respect and confidentiality, and we share life together. But more than that, we pray it together. We need the Lord to work his word into our hearts specifically. And so he's given us Christian brothers and sisters to do that. And so first half is the word applied. Second half is praying that. And then also just fellowship after that as well. Okay? So it's very simple. We want to be like 7 till 8.30 or 7 till 9 o'clock. Some groups, whether they, sometimes they like to go 7 till 11, right? And that's their choice. But uh, anyhow, that's really what a small group uh, session looks like. We, we also promote outside of that. It's also not just that, more than Sunday, more than small group, also that you are in each other's life, 
these, this is your new family. I can call on these people. When I have a need, I'm going to call them first. They're the ones who know me. If I need help, I'm going to call them as well. And there's much more that you can do together as a smaller body within the larger body as well. And so that's kind of in a nutshell who we are and what we want to do as small groups. Uh, we, we're going to have a piece of paper or a sign-up sheet at the end of our, our service. Some of you have already told me the times and dates that you would like to meet in a small group. We did a survey, and I've kind of plunked you in those areas. But as we discuss and as you sign up, we'll figure out where you want to be. Okay, And so we've got, we'll have a sheet for you to sign up as well. But God's Word compels us. When you look at that first church, you look at the first church that ever was, they loved God. They loved his people. They couldn't get enough of him. They could not get enough of each other. They were sharing everything together. And as much as our culture pushes against that and our culture moves towards kind of a rugged individualism, we need to push against that. The Bible teaches us that he who isolates himself breaks out against all understanding. You need the body of Christ, and you need it more than Sunday. So you need... It more than just Sunday. Small groups provides the true fellowship your heart longs for. You need more than just conversion. Small groups fosters the spiritual growth you desperately need. You need more than just a study. Small groups provides that biblical care that your soul requires. And it's much more than that, too. That's just three points for you to be working from today. There's more that will attract you to being a part of God's people in a smaller group. And so I pray that that is compelling you. And for those who have been in small groups before, I know that you're excited. I'm excited, excited to get back in. So let's press in this fall. Let's press into this. Let's sacrifice. If you don't have the time, make the time. That's your choice. Make the time. Make it a priority. Live for God and live for each other. We're not just a a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. We want you to be in one with us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again that your word is always good. Uh, even though this Sunday it, it, we kind of bounced around into different scriptures and, uh, you know, away from our usual uh, nose in a book and, and digging and, and looking for the next thing, Lord, we see that this topic in our life is essential. We see that this is your design. This is your desire. We see that this is your plan to grow us into your likeness through mutual ministry, through small groups. Lord, we pray that we would be okay with uncommon that we would not be ashamed, but that we would stand out, standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, holding fast to his foundation, knowing that it is through what you have done through his blood that we can even stand. So Lord, we pray your, your Holy Spirit would be preparing us for what you have for us this fall, preparing us for transformation. Lord, would you transform us Would you renew our minds, change us into your image? And we pray, Lord, we we commit our small groups to that effort. We want to be intentional, Lord. We want to follow you. We want to do what you say because you are good. You are always good. So do your work in us as we go. Help us us to, uh, to look at this as essential for our life, that it is vital to our spiritual growth. 
We thank you in the name of Christ. Amen.